0: Hi, I'm John Byrne with Poets and Quants. I'm on the campus of Indiana University, the Kelly School of Business, and I'm here for a new series on Coaching 2.0. We're going to do uh, three parts here. We're going to do uh, a section on uh, coaching MBAs. Every MBA program has really laid on uh, coaching, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that means, what you can get out of it, and how to make the best of it. Uh, We're going to talk about leader as coach, which is essentially what's required to be a good coach and what's the difference between advising and coaching. And then finally, we're going to conclude with the third and final part of the series on team coaching and what that's all about. And of course, I have again uh, with me, Eric Johnson and Ray Luther. Eric is the Executive Director of Graduate Career Services at the Kelly School of Business and Ray Luther is the Executive Director of the Partnership for Coaching Excellence and Personal Leadership. Eric and Ray, welcome. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. So, as I mentioned before, you know, many business schools have uh, started coaching programs of one kind or another. Uh, Tell me first off about the Kelly approach. I know that uh, one step to this was you went out and you spoke to employers and what they really wanted from MBAs. And that was a bit of a starting point in terms of what the outcomes you ultimately wanted from your coaching uh, component.
1: Yeah, so when we, when we talked to employers, we were actually setting up what we call here the Leadership Academy that Ray and I co-founded. And uh, we asked employers, you know, what are some of the leadership traits that you really want to see in new MBA hires? And the two that they came back with, they said, we really want students who um, have the ability to be coached and know how to use the skills of coaching to influence their peers uh, and up up and down an organization, and also the ability to set a vision and choose a series of strategies for a project or for a team. And so we really dug into, well, what does that coachability really mean? You know, if you you want people who are coachable uh, and who have the ability to coach others, what are you looking for? And it, it kind of came down to this sense of the humility to accept feedback, to seek out, to accept feedback, to apply that feedback, and to have a deliberately developmental state of mind throughout an organization. It makes them more malleable. It's a more you know, open to growth, to new experiences, to learning from failures and actually encouraging and developing those traits in others. And that's really where we started.
2: And I think with with regard to how an individual MBA is coached coming in the system, uh, we've had a long history of uh, an amazing career services staff that uh, over time has evolved to a staff with significant corporate experience, which is not unlike many MBA programs. Uh, But then we also uh, sold and made the strategic decision as a school to invest in coaching certification across our uh, career services staff and some others so they can become certified executive coaches. And as we look at the importance of coaching for our students, the folks that we're coming in and we want to see um, develop over time, we think that level of excellence is required to actually serve them well because they will be quote unquote coached by any number of people. Right. And so the career services staff is kind of the heart of the coaching that occurs within the program. We also have a number of people within our MBA program office that went through the certification as well and understand what is a coaching mindset but then at the same time through our Leadership Academy we're developing our second year leaders to actually coach first years through our peer coaching process but we didn't want it to be an advice-laden program. Advice is a component of it but we wanted those students to develop coaching skills. So the student should experience multiple people, at least through our system, that are, that are giving them various levels of coaching. Some might be skill development coaching, which is very tactical and how you actually are trained on something. But more often than not, they should be approached with a develop, developmental coaching mindset, which is having that student-only agenda and understand the agenda, which is the heart of coachability. How do they want to improve? improve? What do they want to improve? And then having resources around them that can actually help them activate
0: that. Now, most of the people, if not all, have never been coached before in any meaningful way, mm-hmm. other than maybe by a parent, mm-hmm. and, and not about the career. Mm-hmm. So, so, what can one expect is coming into this cold? Yeah, that's a,
2: I, it's, it's a phenomenal insight in that um, there is a give and take with any coaching relationship. Uh, many, us, many of us have experienced... Uh, a coach as an athletic coach, right? Or a coach as a maybe a high school theater director that helped your role in the play or a band director that gave you a certain role that you mm, needed to play on an right. instrument. And that was part of skill development and then obviously some level of team. With developmental coaching, the level of engagement required of the participant goes up significantly because the role that a coach is going to play is oftentimes asking you questions that are going to cause you to reflect and, and try to make meaning out of how you're showing up in certain ways. Asking for advice is inherently a passive activity. I come up to you and say, John, I'd really like to know how you did this. And then I sit back and listen as you tell me your wonderful stories and I take notes of what you've done. If we were in a coaching relationship and you were serving as a coach, you might say, Ray, help me understand how you're actually seeing that situation and what's going on. The level of cognitive processing required me is a whole different level. And how I show up and make meaning out of that uh, requires me to engage at a different level and frankly some of those questions I may or may not be able to answer up front. So it requires you to be an active engaged participant in your own development and start to understand what's your role in the situations that you're facing versus just showing up and asking for advice
0: and seeking some elder wisdom,
2: which is important but not holistic in how we actually
0: develop as people. There is an element of vulnerability here, right? Because... Part of uh, good coaching, at least effective coaching, I would think, uh, means that someone has to be open to criticism of some kind.
1: The way I would say it is they have have to be open to the reality that they are not yet the best version of themselves. And so that requires a willingness to say, I have an opportunity to grow. I have an opportunity to improve. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean I have to criticize it, it means I might be able to say, here are some things that you're doing particularly well, public speaking, right? Public speaking is a great example. Uh, A lot of our MBA students come from places where they were engineers or in analytical positions. Um, They did a lot of behind the scenes work and they they didn't really have a lot of experience, um, you know, being in front of groups of of audiences and, and improving them, moving them to action, and so being able to come in and say, listen, here are some places where you tend to be a good communicator, let's take that to the next level, requires a commitment to growth as an right. individual, right? So, um, And it's not just the, ta- the, the tangible skills like finance, presentations, public speaking, et cetera, but some of those intangible skills like how you give and receive feedback, how you handle um, chaos and uncertainty, how you... Uh, Show up as a teammate with other people and how they experience you and being open to the fact that the way You've chosen to be a teammate in the past might not be the best way for you to be a teammate in the future so Definitely a level of vulnerability and and an openness to improve as an individual
0: now There's got to be an ideal mindset to take the best of this and make the most of it. What is it? So for us it always falls back to
2: self-observation can we help people understand how to become self-observant and then vulnerable enough around those observations that they can, they can understand where they might need to improve versus how they're showing up today? Um, a lot of our team experiences are designed to put people into situations where they're working on normal projects, but because they're working across personality types or cultures or various things, the way their reputation starts to be experienced by others is not necessarily something that they would want said about them, right? And this is universally applied because everyone's a little bit different. So having somebody actually be able to observe themselves and learn how to observe themselves, learn how they're influencing other people as opposed to just saying, oh, this team stinks and when I get on my next team, I'll be okay. And then suddenly, well, that team stinks and when I get on my next team, when I just get to my company, I'll I'll be okay then, right? Because these people just don't know. Maybe, just maybe, there's a place we can stop and start to do some self-observation and start to understand what's my role in this situation. And if we can have coaches along the way and we can have people along the way that can actually drive that, that helps the development curve and the development arc of an MBA student. Our MBA students are great. They come in and, you know, we do a phenomenal job of attracting some of the best and the brightest from all over the world. And they should have every reason to be confident. But they're also here to go through a development arc. And the ones who are willing to go through that development arc and then jump into high potential roles on the backside, still thinking about it in a developmental arc way, those are the ones that are going to go the farthest.
1: And I would say a developmental arc, not as a business person, but as a person, period. This isn't about just equipping you with the best business technical skills that we can, but actually all of the hard and soft skills necessary to succeed when you get to your next job which requires being a good teammate, being able to positively influence others, being able to give and receive feedback, being able to communicate effectively in a variety of different situations with a variety of different personality types, and honestly being able to find your fit within an organization such that you can make meaning of the work that you're doing such that you're satisfied and committed to doing it with a level of excellence.
0: And I would think that making or training second years to coach first years uh, that experience in and of itself may actually be as valuable, if not more valuable, uh, as a coaching experience than being coach.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it really, it's absolutely true. In fact, I had that conversation with one of our second year students earlier today. Um, she was coaching one of the first years who um, wanted to go into a particular career path for um, what she felt like as the coach were many of the wrong reasons and actually began to notice for the first year why some of those reasons were wrong as well. Um And in the process of going through that, she began to be more contemplative about exactly what she was wanting to get out of her next role, what she was wanting to get short and long term in her career. um, And as a result, became more self-honest about some of the companies that she's even looking at right now for second round interviews. So um, there's no question that the act of coaching others allows you to become a better coach of yourself.
2: It's an exponential effect on the coachability. No doubt. Right. So the coachability of any individual without coaching anyone else, is it's, it's linear and it's great when people run up that development curve because they start to become self-observant, et cetera. When you actually start to engage in the act of coaching, which requires you to understand what it is first, then you start to practice it, which feels different. The first experience many people have is, hey, my value is all in the advice I give, so I can't ask these questions because there's no value there. Then you start to notice, hmm, is the advice I give really that valuable or is that my ego coming out saying my Hmm. advice is really valuable? So you're starting to – what we notice in the second years that really choose to engage with material is an exponential effect where they can become consciously aware of how they're showing up, where they might be projecting some of their own needs and desires onto what they're suggesting for other people. And they actually get to a point where when they have a conversation, the other person feels heard not talk to and that's a whole different level of breaking through when you're trying to trying to make a relationship and influence somebody.
0: Now there are a lot of MBA programs that make coaching voluntary meaning you have to go and seek it out there if you want it but it's not a kind of thing where it's absolutely required and an integral part of the program. You've made it an integral part of the program, Mm -hmm. how come? Mm -hmm. Um, We believe especially
2: on the career coaching side we believe that when people show up, they are seeking the depth of coaching we provide, and we're not shy about that when we go out with our marketing materials and telling our story. So it is extremely rare for anyone to show up at our doorstep and not have heard about Me, Inc. or the depth of our coaching, et cetera. And in fact, we know those are key drivers, along with the excellent academics of why people want to come to Kelly. Um, we we do believe in the old adage you can't coach somebody that doesn't want to be coached. And so if we have somebody who shows up and really chooses not to engage with it, we will have some bare minimum requirements that they need to engage in. Um, but we try to make it clear to them they, they've got to decide to want to do this and um, we'll we'll act we're small enough where we can activate the system so that knowledge becomes very clear very quickly.
1: And also I mean two additional reasons I, I feel like, we have an obligation to our students to make sure they're better people when they graduate than they were when they arrived. Not just more technically competent, but truly a better version of themselves. And I think coaching is required for that to happen. The second is companies expect when they come here that they hire someone who has the humility to grow. And so they have experienced coaching to the point that when they get there, they're seeking feedback, they expect to be coached, they expect to develop, they've got a mindset that's oriented around continuous improvement. And so we owe it to our students and we owe it to our companies to put them through those ringers so that those expectations are met.
0: Great. Guys, thank you again. This is uh, John Byrne with Poets and Quants. We are on to Coaching 2.0. Our second episode will focus on leader as coach. We'll be back with Eric and Ray. Thanks for listening.